Hello and welcome to Potlucky, a Weed Sommelier podcast. My name is Liz and I am your host in Weed Sommelier. I review strains, recommend things to munch on, and talk to guests about their history with weed. I've been a consumer for eight years and I'm located in southern Maine, where it is legal medically and recreationally. I am joined today by Buddy, a local glass blower. Uh, how are you doing, Buddy? Hello. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, how long have you, you been a weed consumer and do you have any weedy credentials you'd like to share? Um, well, I <clears throat> basically like for 20 something years now, 23 years, I started late when I was 27. Well, I don't think that's late at all. Um, saying that I did start, I think when I was 16 or 17, uh, so like 20 years. Yeah, a little over. Do you have any weedy credentials you'd like to share? Um, you don't have to, but like if you've ever grown or sold or worked in like a, a greenhouse or a dispensary, now's the, the time to like bring that, bring that information up. Well, yeah, originally, uh, you know, when I started, it was sort of like this whole shift in my personality to, to a huge degree. And I sort of made up for lost time. Everyone around me had already been smoking it since they were, you know, 14, 15. And I was the goody two shoes and then suddenly started smoking and uh, tried everything. You know, I, I tried some psychedelic stuff, but, you know, I'm, I just want the calm. And I gr tried growing some. I, I didn't really have the nerve for it. Um, <clears throat> aside from like a couple of experimental grows, mm -hmm. I didn't have the nerve to like really be like consistently breaking the law to that level. Yeah. Um, where what have you been growing uh, it i mean you don't have to mm -hmm. say any specifics but uh like what have you always been located in maine oh no no i'm I'm actually in in new hampshire just across the border from maine oh okay uh, and you know i i go and travel down to massachusetts or i travel in maine so, you know, I, I stop at stores and see if they want my products and, you know, if I'm going to actually be in the, in the state for enough time, then I'll buy something and go somewhere and sit for the evening, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, understandable. Uh, so <laughs> are you, are you traveling up and down explicitly um, because you're selling glass or is there another reason? Well, I honestly... <laughs> The reason is because I can't actually get enough of the ocean and the main coast. Um, that's, that's ultimately the reason. And then selling glass sort of justifies spending all that gas money. Wow. I, I cannot say enough good stuff about like just the ocean and the coast of Maine. Mm -hmm. I love <laughs> Wells Beach. It's my favorite beach. Um, it may be really, really rocky, but uh, I, I love living um, where I do near a, near uh, the, the the actual beach. I can see. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sort the... of a uh, sensation seeker, so I actually uh, go out. You know, if there's like a mad snowstorm or you know just a good old fashioned nor'easter, chances are I'll be trying to find somewhere where I can watch the ocean going crazy. Wow. Well, for the, the recent nor'easter that we had, did you find yourself on a beach somewhere or in a parking lot somewhere? Oh, absolutely. Algonquit Beach. And uh, we went by 
um, Noble Lighthouse, which, you know, you catch Noble Lighthouse at the right time. And it's just, I don't think there's a possible way for that place to look bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I've i never Maybe. seen a lighthouse in person, um, but I, Noble's on the list. Yeah, it's right up the street. It's pretty much right up the street from uh, your beach, you know, and it's it's just it's cool too because you can actually just drive up. It, it's something that can be done if someone's uh, you know not a huge walker because if you want to, you can just drive up and look at it. You don't even have to get out of the car. Oh, that's tight. I, I appreciate the recommendation. Thank you. And at the same time, you can just walk around and, you know, but so that's my area. Yeah, I, I love Algonquit Beach, uh, the lighthouse. Um, I've only discovered York Beach in the last couple of years, but I think it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. My my uncle, my cousin, my brother and my partner um, managed to get on the news, the morning news for the snowstorm because we live right next to the beach. Um, and so, of course, we all walked out to experience the the awesome nature of the ocean. Um, and it was incredible. And like, I yeah. I couldn't bring my cane. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll bring a snow shovel. That'll be even better. And I can like shovel snow, except for the wind really like treated it like a kite. So that wasn't ideal. Um, but yeah, uh, I didn't end up on the news. Maybe, maybe the next Nor'easter. Uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, would you like to know about this week's weed product? Yes. All right. So this is uh, 207 Edibles Casco Bay Botanical. I'm not quite sure what the uh, which one of those is like the brand or the company, um, but these are watermelon sour gummies, 10 milligrams each. Um, I've had these kicking around my my uh, a food closet, no, my pantry. Yeah, my my pantry for a couple months, and I was like, well, there's only two left. I might as well just finish them. Um, and so that's what we're gonna do. Um, if during the smoke break, feel free to munch on whatever whatever edible or smoke on or vape on, you know, whatever you feel free to. Um, awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm still old fashioned with the uh, smoke. Uh, it sounds silly, but it's sort of like just smoking a pipe is something that's like a very romantic activity for me. Mm, with know. a good book. Yeah, with a good book or just, you know, oddly enough. I, so I'm the type of person who likes to go and find places to watch airplanes land or wow. trains go by or boats. And, you know, it's nice to just sit somewhere all day and just do that <laughs> and and smoke. And it, it's sort of like, you know, Bilbo Baggins, mm -hmm. the whole just sitting back and watching the world go by and, and relaxing. Um, before I started smoking, I, I was a really intensely angry person. Um, never violent or anything, but extremely just hostile and judgmental to everything. Um, probably picture like Randall from Clark's. <laughs> <laughs> yep, like, okay. I, not not as, as blatantly rude, mm -hmm. but just that constant, everything is stupid kind of attitude and Mm -hmm. and uh you know smoking just the moment I tried it the first time that just literally flowed out of me and you know it was it was literally a religious experience for me to just feel 
You know how if you crack your back or something mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you get that relief from a pain you didn't even know you had because, you know, for three days, you've just been sort of coping with that pain. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you move that special way and it's like crack and you're like, whoa, that feels so good. It was basically the mental version of that after 27 years. Wow. Um, I go to yoga and I call that feeling uh, feeling like a glow stick because um, I'm, I'm popping and crackling in all sorts of places. And then I feel like I'm glowing afterward. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> I like that. Yeah, the, um, the real glow stick experience. Yeah. Did you ever put them in the freezer to make them last longer? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I, I actually was that uh, mad scientist teenage kid that cut them open and painted with the stuff and walked around with yellow stains on my hand for three months. Was that, um, well, we're going to talk about this more later, but uh, is that how you got into art or had you experimented with, you know, more unusual mediums earlier? Um. I mean, I've always done crafty stuff, you know, just with, uh, you know, wood or, or, you know, just arts and crafts. And my old job, one of them, the main one was as a machinist, where, you know, you're working with metals and everything all the time. And I loved that job. I, I didn't like the social aspect of it, going into work with a bunch of people every day and everything just being constant stress. So at some point, someone, uh, my niece actually, whom I had taken to see a glass blowing demonstration, she decided she wanted to be a glass blower. And so she kind of followed that path. And a couple of years later, when I was really hating my job, she taught me and I practiced for a while and eventually got myself fired one more time than I could get hired back. <laughs> um, the boss was a friend of mine and we had this dysfunctional thing where, you know, he'd fire me and then I'd come back the next day anyways. And one day I just told him, you know, I'm not coming back. And, and that was it. Like I was self-employed glass blower, um, right before we decided to buy a house. So my wife was really, really happy about that. She loves the extra challenges, <laughs> finding money at short notice. <laughs> um, and I've just been in it ever since, you know, I, I get to play with fire. And like I said, I was that kid. I get to play with glass, which is just, there, no matter which direction you choose with glass, you can learn for the rest of your life. You know, it's never going to be boring. Whether I, whether I choose to just, you know, if I decide, okay, I'm only ever going to make pipes again because I like making that one thing, I could do that and, and still advance and, and make bigger and better things all my life without even branching out. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's really good room for expansion. Mm -hmm. And now that everything, you know, for the most part, the government is starting to have some sensible policies about this stuff. Um, I think it's only going to get better. I, I certainly hope so. Um, 
we we've gotten a little bit off topic and i appreciate the topic we've landed on but i'm going to steer us back towards the munchie moment because we got to get through this segment oh yeah Um, okay okay so uh let's talk about the munchie moment for the week what do you like to snack on when you have the munchies uh my favorite thing to do is make a batch of uh chicken fried chicken excuse me When I have the munchies, I make chicken fried chicken or I'll make ice cream or I'm sort of a weird munchie person. I, I really like the doing of the of making the munchies. Mm-hmm. So I get overly complicated a lot of times. Yeah. Um, I I, I definitely understand you. I, I cook and uh, also go through the experience of being really baked and then hungry. Oh, and yeah. And uh, I mean, there's just so much to do with with cooking I've you know again cooking was another one of my jobs where I actually loved it I loved the job I loved the customers didn't like working with other people so much it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of always disagreeing at some point um and and I'm not an angel either I I'm not gonna say that they were always jerks you know Mm -hmm. um at least once in a while I was probably wrong (laughs) Yeah, you know, statistically speaking, no one can be 100%, you know, ethically correct or like factually correct. So I like I to, have learned to apologize in my life. <laughs> yeah, I wish my license plate said I'm sorry, just to apologize for how poorly I drive. Like, I'm just <laughs> I'm just so sorry for the people that drive behind me. I know it's not a fun experience. Um, all right, buddy. Uh, do you know what time it is? I do not. Okay. Uh, are you ready to do some weed? Oh, sure. All right, let's do it. Is it smoke break? Yeah, this is a smoke break. Let's do it. We are back. Buddy has a weed word that he would like to share with us. If you or a friend have a word that you think deserves airtime, leave us a message on Anchor. Make sure to include your name, a definition, and its use in a sentence. I guarantee you, if you do this, it will be on the show pending absolute foulness. Uh, take it away, buddy. Um, well, the word is a word I've only ever heard used by people from Lynn, Massachusetts. Lynn, Lynn, the city of sin. <laughs> um, for a joint, they say jibba. You know what? I have heard that before. Have you? Yes, actually, yeah. I went to a, a weed a weed convention where I, I collected weed words with little slips of paper and someone brought up jibba. I'll have to, I'll have to check to see. Yeah. Oh, but feel free to, um, the next part is using it in a sentence. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Use it in a sentence. I think that's it. I can't wait to get out of work. I already got a jibber rolled. Sounds like my stepmom and and my mom (laughs) and like the rest of my family, to be honest. Um, alrighty. So moving into puff pass peer review, how are you feeling, buddy? Feeling pretty good. Yeah, I also feel pretty solid. Um, I'm going to talk about the edibles I just did. Um, For a second, I thought I had done these previously and I had a mini panic attack because I already did like the intro to the show um, and I have to re-record that. Um, But I think I settled on, I just ate a bunch of these and then saved two to review. Um, So these are two of seven edibles, Casco Casco Botanical. Um, this packaging had a nice little window in the front and it was, you know, about palm size. So it's a nice little baggie to keep in your pocket. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if one of the, which one of those is the brand, like, or which one is a dispensary. Um, so that information is a little bit confusing. Um, 
let's see um it's a uh, 10 milligrams uh, 100 milligrams total i think i had the previous eight uh i think at the freiburg fair we'll we'll see um these aren't vegan unfortunately i love a good vegan gummy um i mean sometimes i'm in the mood to eat cow and horse hooves but other times um not so much um these were these were chewy um 50 50 on whether or not it tasted like weed or watermelon it was like somehow they managed to like combine those two seeds and this was their uh, the the fruit of their unholy union between a weed plant and a watermelon plant um these last two ones that were hanging out in my my cupboard for a couple of months were covered in uh like the the flavor crystals uh the, and it almost looked like keef and i was thinking like oh it's almost like a little keef bowl i get that extra little you know sour dust um mm, it's got nice. a pleasant aftertaste uh not sure about the brand once again but um, I think I picked these up for free at a convention I went to. And, you know, these are, like, pretty solid. Like, if a friend came over, I would definitely offer them these. Not because I want to get rid of them, because I think they're they're worth sharing. Um, and that's my bit. So uh, what do you think about your weed, buddy? Um, I like it. <laughs> um, I'm basically, I'm doing a, uh, you know, smoking a nice white widow hybrid from a local place down here. Um, I'm not sure if they want me to mention them or not uh, oh, without no permission, but uh, yeah, it's it's a white widow hybrid, and it was nice and thick and crystally, and it's very pleasant, not harsh at all. Um, lately, you know, with with uh, the sudden influx of of weed, a lot of people are just drying it out completely, and it kind of has a harsh uh, smoke. Mm -hmm. and this is almost no coughing involved just a nice pleasant uh relaxing smoke yeah. which also then makes you feel nice and pleasantly relaxed on top of that yeah i i can agree with that i oh i hope my phone doesn't die while i'm doing this i'm reading my questions off of it um, I, I'll, I'll ask the place if they're okay with me mentioning their name and, and then I can give you the name later. Yeah, we can put that in the show put notes. In the description or something. Yeah. All right. Cool. So this is uh, okay. Uh, blowing smoke, the interview portion. Um, so I feel like we've gotten a pretty, I, I do want to focus on glass blowing and I, uh, glass blowing, pardon me. I think we've gotten a good idea of who Buddy is as far as the smokers. So I'm just gonna jump right, unless there's anything you'd like to say, um, but I, I'm gonna jump right into the uh, glass blowing questions if that's all right with you. I'll go for it, yes. All right. Um, so you mentioned that your niece taught you how to blow glass. How old is she? Um, right now she is 35 or 36 ish. Remember, I had seven older sisters, so uh, yep. um, dozens of nieces and nephews. Um, this one in particular, I, I got to spend quite a bit of time with with her and her siblings when they were younger. And yeah, she's she's a glass blower down in Massachusetts and makes awesome stuff. Do of you want to? Oh, you you can name drop her here if you'd like. Um, um, Trina Urata. Trina. Urata. You want to spell um, spell that last name for us? Yes, it's uh, U R R A T A. That's a cool last name. Um, all right. So and actually, 
I have a correction to make because, of course, she's married now. So it's Trina Weintraub, um, which I believe is W-E-I-N-T-R-A-U-B. But you that probably is, want to double check that. Yeah, that's another very interesting last name. Um, <laughs> yeah. Her, her husband, both of them together run a, a studio in Waltham called Fiamma Glass. And they also run uh, their, their functional studio is Watch City Pipeworks, I believe. And it's totally worth checking out. They are, I can't, again, I I can't say enough about them. I I think she was actually- Maybe we'll have to have them on the show. Yeah, I think Trina was just actually on the cover of Flow Magazine, um, which, you know, is, is mind boggling. And yeah, about three years after she uh, learned how to blow glass and, and was, you know, learning how to make her living at it. She, she started teaching me here and there, and it gave me the what I needed to get out of, uh, well, frankly, just a boring factory job, more or less. How long have you been blowing glass? Since 2006. Oh, wow. So quite a long time. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what focuses would you say you have when it comes to blowing glass? Well, up until recently, it's been almost entirely just uh, functional production, which is uh, the negative is is that I haven't had to I haven't had the time to explore all sorts of weird stuff the way I want to. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I'm getting into that now and and learning. Uh, new techniques, new styles, and, and just, you know, finally developing my my own uh, abilities and, and desires. You know, I, artistically, I, I have a much stronger focus of what I like, and luckily it's fairly simple and breaks down to, ooh, shiny. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I love making color-changing glass. I love, I love it when I can... Uh, when I know that I'll be getting enough money for a piece that I can sit there and just add, you know, more, more marbles, more, more Mm -hmm. facets or something that's going to reflect the light or bend the light or, you know, do something fun. Are you familiar with carnival glass? Um, I'm very bad with names. I, I think if I looked at it, I'd probably be able to tell if I'm familiar with it or not. But I'll have to send you a picture because um, it sounds like it's right up your alley. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I would love to see that. Um, again, any- since, since I've spent so much time on uh, production, I it, it's weird. You know, you think, oh, it's, it's you're just going to be in the middle of this world. But mm-hmm. then you get into it and you're always working and you know you're like oh well I, I can't go to that event I'll go next time mm-hmm. and then next thing you know it's like 10 years later what so is it that you're oh, is go to the event. go to the event <laughs> what is it that you're producing when you say um functional production I, I produce uh hand pipes that's that's my main thing I like making spoons more than anything really and uh what I call either Gandalfs or Hobbit pipes. They're, they're not oh. giant Sherlock's. They, they're more modeled after like, you know, the leprechaun pipe in the, in the uh, Celtics logo. Ah, speaking That's, of, happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you. Happy St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. Thank you. 
Uh, do you have any I, pieces? I could do Irish songs, but then you'd probably uh, need therapy of some sort. Are you kidding me? I have a mandolin in the corner of my room. Um, you don't know this, but the theme music for this show is the Irish washerwoman. Oh, nice. Yeah. I know that song. <laughs> Everyone knows that song, and that's uh, that's why I like it. Um, are there any yeah. pieces that you're especially found, uh, proud of or fond of? I tried to say those two words at the same time, and it didn't didn't quite work out. That's okay. Um, there, there's been some pieces over the years that uh, I just thought came out really well for what I was trying to do. You know, when if you if you get a uh, if you're trying to make a color changing piece and you're lucky enough to know someone that bought that piece so that three, four months down the road, you can actually see what it looks like when it's dirty mm. and you see like this, you know, the color go from that sort of honey gold color that, that you get when it's clean to all of a sudden there's purples and greens and blues and even like, you know, pinks a little bit. And I don't know, man, it's just really cool to see that change. Yeah, I, I so definitely agree. The, yeah, um, that's, that's really just my favorite thing is, is the optical illusion stuff. Um, I'm not into it like everyone else, when everyone else was doing inside out glass, Mm -hmm. I didn't really bother. I, you know, I did the outside decoration. Like a Klein bottle? I'm sorry? Like a Klein bottle? Like the, the, the bottle? Oh, no, that's... no. Um, okay. Although those are awesome. And uh, they're not some, Klein bottles are not something I've made yet myself. But no, I'm talking about the practice of basically taking a tube, opening it up wide, and drawing on the inside of it. Wow. and then closing it up again uh, so that, you know, it basically looks like the design is just really coated in a lot of clear. And it, it, you know, if done right, it really pops. It's beautiful. But everyone was doing it. I didn't mm -hmm. want to do what other people were doing. So I sort of stuck to my, uh, you know, my color changing stuff. I like to draw, you know, uh, I, I would say, stuff that's just lots of scrolls and you know graceful curves and and uh maybe flames you know wow. some, sometimes i'll just you know draw the shapes like uh hot rod flames and, i i keep you know, threatening those. to oops sorry go ahead i keep threatening to put hot rod flames on my cane uh so it'll look like i'm going fast um because that's what house did in you know the show house oh yeah yeah i thought that was a great idea Customize um, that stuff, man. Yeah. Um, besides blue and glass, are there other art forms that you dicker around with? Or like, uh, you know, I when I wrote that question, I kept telling myself I'd find a better word than dicker, but like, uh, I guess that's what no, I'm going with. It. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, yeah. So, <clears throat> pardon me. I like just doing steampunk art. I like found object type things yeah. um did you say steampunk or theme punk steampunk ah cool um, yeah my wife and I got into it I, I grew up in an area that was uh 
very industrial and and also very uh a lot of the industrial stuff was already ruins um and i just i love machinery i take stuff apart just for fun you know <laughs> uh and what that translates to is that my wife and i get lots of parts you know just to do various steampunk items um you know the right parts of a watch you can make a nice butterfly or dragonfly oh that's um, cool yeah uh i i've done some stuff out of what i sort of have a weird fixation for walking sticks every year i i have to cut seven or ten sticks that I'm, I'm my brain is just like these have to be walking sticks so I, uh, I have a, I had a similar feeling when I was younger, except for a walking stick. No, that's a sword or like a, this is a this yeah. is a wizard staff. But yeah, I say walking stick. If I show you a few of them, yeah, there's uh, I, I got quite a few that Gandalf would probably have liked. <laughs> we'll have to put um, a picture in the uh, in the um, in the oh, uh, I do a little slideshow for um, each episode, so we'll have to put that on the Instagram. That oh yeah, cool. we can uh, we can take a picture and send it to you without a doubt. Very I have cool. some nice ones. <laughs> oh, I, I look forward to seeing them, and I'm sure our viewers do, well, listeners do also. Um, do you remember the first thing that you made, uh, glass-wise? A bead. A bead? Yeah. When uh, when my niece started taking glass class, basically she came and she she's like, "I wish I could be a glass boy." Well, go to an adult ed class and and look for bead making classes. Um. Which, by the way, I encourage anyone to do. Glass is so reachable by people who just don't even understand. You know, I, people, oh, I always, I always thought I would love to do that. Man, go out and try it. You know, glass is fun. Uh, and so she did that. And a few weeks later, I came over the house. And, you know, I think it was like 4th of July or something. And she took me into the shed where she had set up a workshop. And. I made the most god awful looking bead ever because that's what you kind of tend to do the first time. It's the, the first time you just don't realize what's going on at all and just, oh my god, this this is horrible. I, I I could never do this. But then the second time you do a little better and you know. Yeah, that's how I feel about watercolors. Listeners will know of my struggle with watercolors and trying to make them look good, but it's hard, and I'm sure. Yeah, um, I how admire hard? that. <laughs> how hard was it to pick up glass blowing? Um, for me, it wasn't too hard. Uh, it, it up to a certain point, I, I I can pick things up very easily and naturally. And so, she taught me the basics, and then I self-taught myself a lot after that, which I I would say now is a mistake to anyone who's thinking about doing it because, you know. I know a lot, but there's gaps in my knowledge, just, mm -hmm. you know, um, industry secrets for getting things done a little faster or, or mm -hmm. a little tighter, higher quality and, you know, things like that. So it's totally worth it if you're going to get into it to learn from whoever's already made those mistakes. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was going to say, I'm just trying to like, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Like I'm taking yoga classes right now because um, just the, the yoga on YouTube, it wasn't doing it for me and I, it wasn't, you know, getting my attention enough and doing it in person is a right. whole different experience, but 
I, I also recommend anyone get into yoga. It's great for your body. It makes me feel like a glow stick afterward. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's uh, something my wife and I have been dabbling in a little here and there. Uh, what are uh, some struggles that you face uh, working in uh, your medium? Well, I mean, if you watch me, every you'll think every day is a struggle because I kind of push myself through a lot of difficult stuff with anger. If, if I'm having a bad day or whatever, you, you know, I'll swear a lot. But then I'll go back the next day because, you know, I'd still rather do that than other jobs. Um, the difficulty would be the one that I created, like I said, by, by uh, self-teaching and not mm -hmm. getting out there and learning enough from uh, other people who have already mastered it. I could have saved myself a lot of trouble, uh, you know. Like learning keyboard shortcuts? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, when did you s decide that your glass was good enough to sell? <laughs> um, uh, oddly enough, like, so eventually, yeah, she taught me how to make this pipe. And I know I didn't make any profit with it because it must have taken me like an hour and a half to like smush this thing together. And I was so proud of it. And I sold it to someone for 10 bucks. And, you know, if I saw the thing now, I'd probably just be mortified. But that that kind of kept me going is like for a long time, I'll just make one, one or two pieces and then go and sell them. How and, long did it take you, know, you after that first attempt? Uh, after that first attempt, um, there like so there was a while where i was just you know like i said go out sell one or two here and there oddly enough i started making pipes before i started making glass pipes because i could not roll a joint for crap um when you so, say making pipes do you mean like carving pipes yes yes i oh, i started uh so i started smoking a few years before i learned how to blow glass I was a machinist and so I would just, uh, you know, sneak some little chunks of wood into the machine shop and use the drills and then go home and use, you know, uh, sandpaper and files and everything. And I would just, you know, cobble these, you know, pump out these little wooden pipes and sell them for like 10 bucks. But the main reason I made the first one again was because I can't roll. <laughs> yeah. I, I still am not that like it takes me a long time to try and roll a joint and have it not boat or you know refuse to burn or something look like it was stuck in someone's pocket or shoe all day yeah you know it, it's just not something that my fingers ever seem to uh have the the uh skill to do which you know and then I watch my friends they're like look at me, I can roll with one hand and okay, whatever, but I can make pipes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you have the upper so, hand here. Yeah. Eventually it, it took several years of like, I, I would say I was from the first time I, I made that bead to when I was ready to quit and quit the machine shop job and do the pipe making full time. 
or when I thought I was ready, uh, was about three years. Um, three years ago or three years into glowing glass? No, no, it, it took like between like 2003 to 2006. And then in 2006, that's when, you know, things started coming to a head at work and I just was very unsatisfied. And I started asking her, you know, teach me more pipe making, teach me more pipe making. So she, she helped me up my skills to a certain point. Mm-hmm totally told me no don't make this something you're using to pay the bills yet (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but I I I didn't want to be where I was and I I did it and I made it work Um, honestly with my wife mostly doing the logistical stuff I don't think I could have made it work without that Uh, you know I'm good at I'm good at okay this is the one thing you need to do and you point me towards the machinery and I get on it and I do the thing. Um, I'm not good at keeping things supplied, uh, paying the bills and all that. So she took up where I was weak, um, kind of made it happen um, at great stress to herself. Uh, well, thanks, and, Laura, for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it, there's been, uh, there's just been a lot of crazy up and down stuff, but you know, for better or worse. And, you know, sometimes I've had to go and get other jobs. Um, Mm -hmm. To supplement your income. Yeah. And, you know, eventually I I got to a point where, you know, this is it. Like I'm, this is how I work best, self-employed, doing my own thing. Um, And, and frankly, you know, a huge part of that, people are like, oh, self-employed, you know, no one's going to bother you. no one's going to tell you what to do either yeah but the big part of that is that i can't blame anyone for anything else either which is sort of what i my i need for my mentality you know just to you know be able to say well you know this if this mistake happened then obviously it had to be yours Mm -hmm. and you know just get on with fixing it and not have to argue with anyone about it and Mm -hmm. you know you can't really have any egos involved if you're not butting heads with any any co-workers yeah tell me about it i uh, getting uh, working with one's ego is something that is going to be a continual process i think for the rest of my life but you know you gotta start now yeah. if you want to make progress well i mean you know i i look at it as like the only the only human being i want to compare myself to in competition is the one that i was yesterday so i just try to do better each day one way or another Heck yeah. I think that's going to be a good pull quote for the article. Um, So thanks for saying that. Uh, So you mentioned earlier that Trina has her own place to blow glass. Uh, Do you have your own setup at home now after blowing glass for so long? Um, My my wife and I have a uh, studio in the mill buildings, uh, one of the Seacoast mill buildings. And we just kind of do our own thing here. Um, for me, yeah, I, I spend all day here and, and do the work part of it. And then she can come home from work and, well, I say home, but, you know, she can come back from work and just like, she does, you know, various things, uh, sewing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't oh, even know yeah, what man. She also does watercolors. So you guys uh, could talk about that sometime. Yeah, maybe. Watercol- I admire the watercolor thing because I could never figure those things out. Uh, painting actually kind of like eludes me completely. 
Yeah, it was, I took it to try to, you know, find some inner peace, but I was there. There's a reason it's called painting. Um, and it <laughs> was, it was just, oh, it's rough. I have, I'm, I'm taking a break with watercolors right now, but uh, because I don't have very good depth perception, doing like shadows and different, uh, different washes is kind of hard for me because I'm like, okay, which part should be dark again? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Are there any obstacles that got in your way while you were um, like working towards this goal? Um, well, yeah, during this whole, uh, you know, last 20 years or so, um, you know, I was dealing with, you know, back then we, it was just, you know, some insecurity or brain block or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, every once in a while, I would just like basically shut down and the shutdown could last like you know anytime for a couple hours to like three weeks and uh we started wondering what was going basically i should have been diagnosed um with uh what they now call high functioning autism and used to be called asperger's mm -hmm. um which yeah lovely names yeah, i was about uh, to say that's a that's a pretty ridiculous yeah. name for uh an ailment that we should take seriously asperger's oh, it really is well and here's the funny thing it's not actually an ailment except that it's sort of born into this world that you don't fit in and you learn to adapt but without knowing what's going on i was diagnosed at something like 38 you know, and I told you like learning, you know, my first time smoking was a religious experience because I got rid of so, so much anger, like instantly. Mm -hmm. um, I shouldn't call it an nope. ailment. You're uh, you, you're correct. Huh? I, I well, said, I'm I taking, yeah. taking that back. But. Oh, that's okay. You know, cause in a way it is an ailment, but the reason it's an ailment is because, you know, the world isn't <laughs> here's, designed. Here's a comparison. Okay. Most people don't know that if you are left-handed, you are more likely to die early than right-handers. And, and the reason for that is simple. The industrial world is designed for right-handers. When you go to those big factories with machines that can you know, chomp you in half, well, all the controls and levers are made for right-handers. So if left-handers adapt, but they tend to have more more accidents because they you know they're just wrong for the machines that are designed and autism is sort of like that you know i have this super high powered analytical mind in many ways um and yet i can be clueless to the point where it's just downright funny um about the simplest things um man i i really feel you especially like with sarcasm i'm pretty sure all of my siblings including myself are both <laughs> queer and on the spectrum like i'm I, i'd bet dollars to donuts that all all five of my siblings not to out anyone but uh <laughs> yeah like yeah. thanks susan thanks for the genes i guess but <laughs> and well the beauty of it is, see everyone looks at autism as like this negative and it, it's not a negative in and of itself it's a negative having to deal with it if you don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's a negative having to deal, you know, now I have a diagnosis, boom, suddenly there's a whole community of people who have already dealt with these problems and I can learn from them. I'm self-aware of the just the simple fact that, you know, meltdowns happen, you know, 
you kind of think, oh, he was having a bad day, so he had a meltdown. Mm -hmm. But for autistic people, the meltdown comes from a sensory overload that can, if you tire yourself out having the funnest fun that you ever had, you're still tiring yourself out. And that's when the meltdown can happen because, you know, you don't realize that you're suddenly getting tense and that noises are suddenly aggravating you and that someone's perfume is driving you insane. And then, then all of a sudden, like if you've ever seen a kid go from zero to 60 in five minutes, that's why. Because all of a sudden that kid who was doing fine and everything was great, is all of a sudden in this like onslaught of sensory input that he can't control. And he's, you know, it's, it's just like, oh no, no, fight, fight against this. This is no, no. Well, now I'm self-aware of things like that. I, I, I don't really have meltdowns because I know what it feels like a half hour before a meltdown. Mm -hmm. And I never would have even known to look for that if I hadn't, you know, gotten the diagnosis and been in part of the community um and so that's an ongoing struggle uh i love talking about autism i had to actually like learn that many people consider it a negative thing i, I was yep. uh i was surprised I, also i was kind of excited about it you know it explains so much not only just about me but about a lot of people in my family um you know, good and bad. I, I was that kid, like, you know, the fidgeting kid, the uh, the kid that liked to light fires, like, you know, all this stuff. And it was mostly just me being curious and wanting to process the world in my own way. But, you know, it scared the crap out of most of the adults around me when I lit fires. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know. Well, um Let's though. I'm going, I'm going to use that as an excellent segue to talk about glass blowing. That that relationship with fire. Do you think that maybe encouraged you into like a, a hot shop or um, the, the the? From my understanding, um, blowing glass involves a lot of heat. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The um, glass is basically sand. Uh, it takes an immense amount of heat to melt it. Um, I, I wanna say my torch has a flame that sort of looks like a shuttle flame if I put it full blast. I almost never have to do that. But, you know, you've, you've seen the kind of torch that people use to like, you know, on movies, you'll see them cutting metal with it or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the smallest glass torch is gonna be something along those lines, you know. Um, the one I have makes one of those torches look kind of small. It, it's got a uh, several different, uh, we call them candles. It's just the combination of oxygen and fuel. And it makes a flame that's about an inch or an inch and a half thick. So in one shot, I can melt enough glass to blow like a small Christmas ornament. Wow. What other equipment do you use? Um, the kiln, which is uh, a kiln for people who don't know, is just a really hot oven. Um, and in order to, the reason you use it for glass 
is because glass, when it cools unevenly, gets all sorts of stresses, uh, internal stresses. Um, sorry, I don't know what that thinging was. Uh, it sounded like glass breaking when you said stresses, and I was like, oh, far <laughs> out. He's providing his own sound right? effects. I don't even do that. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. yeah, glass. So the cool thing about glass, aside from having to, you know, getting to play with fire, is that you know if, if you're a sciencey type you know not necessarily a full-blown scientist but if you just really like physics and the actions of the world around you glass is awesome because you have these you know oh here just make this slightest little scratch here and the whole thing will magically crack perfectly in half you know mm -hmm. um or you know here just take this metal and mix it in with the glass and it'll turn it red or, or, you know, uh, take this metal, what I do for color changing glass and well, is basically burn silver in the flame, evaporate it so that it sticks onto the glass and then you use other glass to trap it in there. Are there any colors that you're drawn to in particular? Yeah, I love cobalt. Um, I've got a thing for like night sky and space type stuff. So I make a lot of a uh, lot of lot of pipes out of cobalt that are loaded with silver so that they uh that that's what you get the night sky look from basically is uh fine silver. Um is there a reason you're drawn to that particular theme? I just yeah, I've always been a night sky person. I you know the the uh the stars are just something again, you know, it's, it's, it's like earlier when I was talking about the whole, uh, sitting by and watching the world go by, sitting back and watching the world go back thing. I got I you. Might I know get what you it mean. Right if I try a third time. All right, sitting go for back, it. Sitting back and watching the world go by. <laughs> um, yeah, the night sky is just, you know, it's beautiful and amazing and, you know, it, it, so here's a stoner thought for you. Everything, everything you see when you're sitting out there and looking up at the night sky, all those balls of flaming gas, you know, earth, you, yourself, you're made from three ingredients, protons, electrons, and neutrons. You know, think of what it would, how many cakes could you bake from three ingredients? Okay, it depends what three ingredients, flour, egg, and sugar. I could probably, you know what? That's a great point. That's a, that's a really good point. You can't make a universe with it though. I mean, aren't we all just carbon-based life forms anyway? Uh, some of us, I don't know. I, I, um, if you ever listen to Carl Sagan, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's totally worth it because if you get the audio book for Cosmos, LeVar Burton. So you got reading rainbow guy, reading science astronomy guy to you. It's awesome. Um, and, and he talks about, you know, in other systems, how would life be based? You know, and I can't get into it. I mean, I, I'm not even remotely equal to either of those guys in discussing science. But again, it, it's just, you know, there's certain things like the night sky or watching the ocean and, and it just brings to you 
you know, sort of like this wonder of, oh my God, this is the world and how it works. Like something that I had as a kid and as, as an adult, I sort of got into working and paying the bills and, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, did you also a- ask for a telescope for your birthday one year? Um, I, I, I didn't, I actually didn't have to, my, my father was kind of the same way I am. Um, he taught me Morse code when I was eight years old, which is just, uh, I don't know. Are you you old enough to know what Morse code is? Of course I'm old enough to know what Morse code is. People are still using it. I think I've, I've, uh, I've learned not to assume, um, but yeah, he taught me Morse code when I was like eight. Um, by the time I was 10, I knew like all the odds for various hands and blackjack and, you know, all that fun stuff. So yeah, like telescopes, he, he took me to the Museum of Science in Boston. Um, there was a telescope on top that you could go and see. And there was also the planetarium. Um, I'd love to go to a planetarium, pl- get baked and go to a planetarium sometime. I think it'd be I think it'd be a, a an experience, certainly. Well, Boston Planetarium's the one that started uh, making extra money by having laser shows back what? in the 80s. back in in like the late '80s, early '90s. They started having like Pink Floyd laser shows, and they just play like a Pink Floyd album and do like this whole laser show with it. Um, and they started like revitalizing planetariums and stuff. Um, wow, pretty neat. And they also, and actually, the Museum of Science also has this massive machine for making lightning bolts too. Totally wow. awesome place to go and spend the day stoned. Totally. Would it be a Tesla coil by any chance? Uh, no, it's they have Tesla coils with it too. It's it's this whole room that's dedicated to electricity and showing you how fun it is to make loud noises with it. Uh, all right. So we don't have too much time left on the show, unfortunately. Um, so I'm going to ask some questions that I've just been, you know, sitting here thinking about. Um, so how long now would it, would you say it takes to make a handpipe for you? Um, to make a very simple one for production purposes can be as little as like, you know, three or five minutes, but that's absolutely no frills whatsoever. Um, I generally try to aim for about 10 to 15 minutes for, for what I charge my uh, customers wholesale. And then uh, if I, if I'm, if it's a person who's asked me to make something um, or I'm just making it with the intention of, of going and, and uh, I do a lot of trading, like, you know, uh, oh, cool. bartering and stuff. So I mean, I if, think I, this, if I can get, if I know I'm going to get, three times as much for it, then I can spend a lot more time playing around with uh, the designs, you know, that, and again, for me, that mostly means putting on more stuff to make it uh, shine the light a little better. I've been getting into uh, UV glass a lot. Oh, so how but, does, how, how would you well, go on about that for a minute? Why don't you? Well, they, uh, so in the last few years, there's just sort of been this uh, revolutionary in the revolution in the borosilicate glass color palette and you have so many awesome colors like slime and lucy and um 
I'll take an eighth of Lucy. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> it's very expensive, but it oh, it glows such a beautiful like pink purple. Um, the one I like most is called Blue V, and it just glows with this nice ice blue. And you know, you, you can just load a piece with marbles. And I kind of like to do it sometimes and not tell anyone because I picture someone like someday like walking, like, you know, discovering, oh, my God, my piece glows in the black light. Yeah. And just being like, you know, that there's like 50 marbles that I put on this thing that are just like, Wah, you know. What do you mean by a marble? <laughs> well, you know, a dot, a marble. Some people call them warts um basically just you know just a little uh bump on the pipe ah okay um, a lot of times you know you so you have the carb on mm -hmm. one side and then you have three little dots on the other side to like rest your thumb on you oh know. okay yes i do know uh, what you're talking about or sometimes i will actually put on small actual marbles you know with nice little designs inside um sometimes i'll do like a design with a meteor hitting a planet or something or you know wow if 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 you can tell what it is then i have to charge extra for it <laughs> okay so with all the glass that you've made how do you deal with the inevitability of glass breaking um a lot of that is just in how you you make the glass you you can tell that by comparing, uh, for lack of a better term, gas station pieces mm. to, um, you know, pieces made by local artists that get a lot more money than, than the manufacturers of those, of those imported pieces, the glass blower can, can uh, deal with that a lot. That's what the kiln is for. When I make a piece, <clears throat> I take it, I cut it off, the, you know, and, and finish up the tip and or the mouthpiece, whichever, and I put it in the kiln where first it, it sits long enough to get up to about 1100 degrees Fahrenheit, um, which is, you know, about 400 degrees more than a pizza oven. Oh, wow. And it gets up to that temperature. <clears throat> And it sits there. And once the whole thing is at the same temperature, then you uh, deactivate the kiln, which cools down very, very slowly so that you never get any unevenness in the heat, in the uh, cool down process. And a piece that, that cools down and does not have any internal stresses in it can actually be pretty sturdy. Um, you know, you, you can smack them against wood. You can dent the wood. Mm -hmm. um, there's some things you can do to them that they're just not going to break very easily. On the topic of breaking... And, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. I was going to say there's like this hierarchy. Whatever you drop it on, the closer that material is to glass, the more likely you're going to break your glass. Mm. Okay, considering moving on from breaking, have you ever received like uh, any uh, like injuries while working? <laughs> yes, there are two rules with glass. Uh, glass cuts, fire burns, actually one more rule, 
hot glass does not let you know it's hot. Um, I get small burns all the time. I, I don't even actually notice them until later. I'll be like, oh, look at that. I must have touched something hot. You know, large burns are kind of, uh, I've only had a few of those, luckily. Uh, I had one burn where I, I was getting cocky and I thought I'd do something and cut a corner. And I basically ended up uh, grabbing a, the glass when it was uh, molten hot. Um, luckily, it, it sizzled and kind of kept the, the majority of the heat away from my hand before I was able to un, you know, ungrab it. Oof. And I'm smart enough to jam my whole hand into a bucket of water. So for how horrible it looked, it actually ended up just being a big blister that, uh, well, frankly, I, I was so aggravated at myself for doing something that stupid that I didn't even stop working. Um, I, I just sort of dealt with it. I, I can't even tell you how. It's probably just mostly like adrenaline mm -hmm. because, you know, that's a scary thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's have very you, weird to hear the sizzling and smell that smell the uh, burn. <clears throat> uh, but that, I, that's really the worst that I've had. Um, my worst cut, oddly enough, was when I was washing dishes and I broke a glass and cut a tendon in my knuckle. Oh, geez. <clears throat> Which is embarrassing, frankly. It's like if you're an Olympic skier who broke your leg walking down the stairs mm -hmm. well <laughs> was it something you made or was it perhaps your uh, creation coming back to haunt you oh no it was just uh it, it was me being uh i don't know if i was necessarily being stupid i had washed the same glass the same way like so many times but you know, now I use a brush for skinny glasses so that my hand's not like pushing on the glass. And, you know, yeah. as a glass blower, it's something I should have known better than to do. Um, the one thing glass does not like <clears throat> is that kind of uh, pressure and, and any kind of bending, twisting force. Pressure, it can do great. Glass is awesome at pressure. But you know, th this is why a lot of people break their pipes scraping them because they stick something down into the hole and, and then they like wiggle it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might be able to take that pipe and like bang on a, a table and dent it. But if you put something like a, a you know, a little piece of uh, metal. Oh, you cut out. Uh, a bit of te technical difficulties. Um, you were just telling uh, all of my eager listeners about how not to break their pipe in the future. Right. Um, basically, anything that's going to tweak, like flex the glass. Um, gla glass is great with compression, um, and but flexing, it doesn't want to flex or twist very easily. That's usually when you break it when you're scraping it and you just kind of think you're just barely touching it and all of a sudden and the whole bowl caves in on you. 
Yeah, my partner uh, managed to break the banger off of his uh, his dad piece. Um, and like yeah. we thought we barely touched it, but nope, uh, that little bit of tension. Um, okay. Yeah, my... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's it's late. It's on St. Patrick's Day. We're gonna we're we're almost done. Um, have you received any especially interesting commissions? Um, not not really. No, it, it's uh, I guess the weirdest one was with a a pet name that they just wanted it made in a weird kind of a heart slash alien head kind of a thing do you happen to have like, a picture of it i don't this was years and years ago um I, I like i said i started getting so into production that i ended up not doing many custom pieces um you know he he would mostly just you know when i say he i, I mean the store that i was dealing with most of the time back then you know well actually still now mm -hmm. um you know, Patriots or, you know, Yankees suck or, you know, ah, okay, I <laughs> like see. messages and stuff. Um, not anything really uh, specifically um, noteworthy artistic yet. You know, the, the artistic side of things I did because my wife and I vend, we, you know, we have a little setup. We go to steampunk fairs. Fantastic. I make airships and uh, rocket ships and, you know, pendants and fun uh, things like that. Uh, so, here and there. So on the topic of steampunk, are you familiar with the steampunk band, The Cog is Dead, by any chance? The Cog is Dead. No. Okay, I have uh, music to send you I'm after this then. Totally, yeah, I totally have to look that up afterwards. All right. And my last question of this interview, uh, have you seen Blown Away on Netflix? I don't think so, no. Okay. Um, it is a show all about glass got, I, I do remember seeing the show, like a clip here and there. Mm -hmm. But th this all kind of in the last couple of years. So the whole COVID thing basically had me hustling constantly. <laughs> I, th there was no time really for watching any new series or anything like that. I would love to have some time to sit down and binge watch like a whole show about glass blowing. It, it is incredible. It had Bobby Burke from Queer Eye. It had, it has a lot of guests um, and awesome. it's just an incredible, I, it's one of my comfort shows that I go back to watching because of all the, the inspiration behind the designs and whatnot. And it's my, it's a show that if, if people don't know about it, I would like to let them know. Oh yeah, let them know. That's awesome. Um, All right. Unfortunately, I, I I sound like I live under a rock right now. I haven't watched much of Forged in Fire either. Um, uh, well, I I haven't either. If that makes you it makes you feel any better. Well, you know, because I still love metal work too. I, I I think like you know, if I was ever into a, you know, if, if I was in Middle Earth, I would have been a dwarf. Everything I love is like from the earth. You know, it's fire and oh hell yeah, man! Glass and stone and steel and you know, gold and gems stuff. and dragons. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. All the necessities of life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you're when you're not being a dwarf, uh, where can people find you? 
Um, most of the time I'm, I'm, uh, either puttering around on the seacoast somewhere. If I'm working, you can't find me because the music's going to be too loud for me to even hear you knocking anyways. <laughs> Are you, do you um, have your, uh, your products available anywhere for sale? I'm only just now getting them available in this area. I've, uh, <clears throat> I've, I've sold a few pieces to a few different uh, uh, stores around here. Um, the stores that I've sold to have been cannabis stores. So like not San, if they won't be in any towns where the town has said that a cannabis store is um, not allowed to sell glass. Uh, uh -huh. Unfortunately, <clears throat> apparently at least Sanford is doing that. Um, I don't know exactly what that's supposed to accomplish, but you know, that's, that's a, a whole other topic. You can honestly mostly find me like at a, at the Arundel flea market. <laughs> All right. Well, is there a, a, a name and, you can drop there? Oh, I'm sorry. Is there, is there a name for this flea market? Um, actually that's it. The Arundel flea market is like one of the most hardcore flea markets. They're out there pretty much every day, unless there's a nor'easter. Um, if you go at, if you drive down route one past the Arundel antique store, I think it is like right on the corner of route one and Limerick street, I think, um, All right. in the parking lot, there, there's always, uh, you know, antique dealers, believe it or not, the middle of the winter, you get actually some pretty good quality stuff. But I, that, that's mostly, I'm going around, I as I develop relationships, I'll be glad to update you. All right. <laughs> well, at the moment, that's it. We'll have to check up on you in the future. In a, in a, this is season five, so maybe in season six, you'll have your own, you know, storefront and what have you. I would love to talk to you again. Yeah, sounds good. This has been great. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that is all the time we have. Thanks for listening. Our theme music is The Irish Washerwoman, as arranged by Maylee Charles. You can find Potlucky on Apple Music, Google Music, and Spotify. We also have an Instagram page. Feel free to post pictures of your smoking materials and tag me in them at Potlucky Podcast. Like what we do and want to see us grow? Consider supporting us on anchor.fm. You'll hear from me next week. Uh, buddy, unfortunately, will not be here. So let's say goodbye together. All right, goodbye. Bye.